Okay, I don't know about you guys, but I was kind of hoping that Audrey was going to turn on the vacuum cleaner during the children's time. I don't know about y'all, that would have been really awesome. I would have liked to see the ball of fluff sucked up by the Jesus vacuum cleaner. So this morning, I want to introduce you to a member of my family, and here is a picture of him. I know, isn't he cute? That's Wesley, and yes, he is named after John Wesley, the father of Methodism. He is a 13-year-old dachshund, and he is also my spiritual director. When I am stressed out, Wesley falls asleep in my lap, and when I'm sad, he comes and sits next to me. And when I'm fine, he runs off to find a good ball to play with or a squeaky toy to drag around the house. Animals can become our soul friends, can't they? We don't just own them, we love them. And because of that, they come when we call. They hear that love in our voice. They hear in us the sound of home. So when I call Wesley, he comes running, even if he's been taking a really good snoozle under the couch. So I understand why Jesus, in our text this morning, calls himself the Good Shepherd. In Jesus' day, shepherds and sheep were just common sights, you know. Sheep herding was an important part of the economy of the land. But to the shepherd, the sheep were not just a way to make a living. They were his extended family. He didn't just own them, he loved them. The shepherd knew his sheep, and they knew him. They knew his voice, how he walked, how he gestured, what he smelled like, what he looked like. If a shepherd had his sheep intermingled with another flock out on a hillside and a thousand sheep were out there, when that shepherd called his flock, they would come out of that big mass of sheep, separate themselves, and then his flock would follow their shepherd home. In his voice, they heard love and home. His voice, for them, was the sound of still waters and green pastures. So it's no wonder that Jesus chose this metaphor of the shepherd and sheep to describe himself and our relationship to him. I am the good shepherd, he says. The sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they will follow me. So there will be one flock, and there will be one shepherd. My friends, how I wish that this were true, that above all other voices in this world, we would listen to the voice of the one shepherd as one flock united by his love, and yet we live in such a challenging time, do we not? I feel like I've said this to you a dozen times already in the two years I've been with you, that this is such a divisive time in our history. I'm no spring chicken, and in my whole life, I, I don't res remember anything like this, you know? My parents tell me they've never seen such division. Older friends I have, people in their 80s and even in their 90s tell me they've never seen division like we have going on right now. There are so many voices in our culture that bombard us daily, 
not with calls to come together as one flock, but with calls that seek to divide. They call us to see our neighbor if they don't agree with us as an enemy. They seek to plant seeds of doubt in our heart. They tell us that we should be afraid of anybody who is other, anyone who doesn't think or believe exactly like us. They tell us that we cannot really be in relationship with anybody who doesn't think exactly like we do, and that strength comes from culling the herd, keeping people out, away from us, who don't agree with us on every social and political and religious issue. And yet, friends, don't we know, deep down, that the exact opposite is true? One of my favorite preachers and pastors of all time, Fred Craddock, used to tell a story about being a young pastor sent out to one of, his, one of his very first churches to serve. This church was out in a rural area. Beautiful little church, he said. You know, the kind that you see on a postcard? Whitewashed wood on the outside, and a tall steeple on the top, and a bell tower. Inside, polished hardwood floors and polished wood pews. Polished, he said, from all the people who slid in and out of them over the years. Generations of people had worshipped in that little country church. He was so excited to go and serve there as the pastor. But after he had been there a few months, he realized that some people were missing from the congregation. He noticed that none of the people in the community who had come there to work on a big government project, poor people, diverse people, people whose children didn't seem to have everything they needed, people who were renting trailers and even shanties to live in, those people were not present in that little church. And this bothered him. So Craddock stood up at a church council meeting and said, brothers and sisters, we have an opportunity before us. These neighbors of ours who have come here to work on this big project are not in our church, and they're close to us. It's our mission, it's our responsibility to reach out to them. Let's make a plan. Let's share the love of Jesus with them. And the chairperson of the church council stood up and said, no, no. They wouldn't fit in here. Craddock said, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. They need Jesus. They need to hear the gospel. This is our calling. This is who we are as the church. We've got to get out there and reach them. And again, the chairperson said, no, I'm telling you, they would not fit in here. And then the next week, that very same church council passed a resolution that said that you had to own property in that county in order to become a member of that church. Well, Craddock served out his time there and moved on, and the years went by. And he and his wife were in the area many years later on vacation and thought they'd go by and visit the church, you know, see the building. So they found it. Church was still there, still beautiful. 
whitewashed on the outside, you know, the bell tower and the steeple and the stained glass. But out front, there was a sign that said, barbecue, ribs, chicken, and pork. It become a restaurant. The church had died. Craddock and his wife went inside and saw all kinds of people, diverse people, poor people, wealthy people, people of every color and culture sitting side by side at long tables, elbow to elbow, eating this delicious food. The place was packed. And Craddock said to his wife, well, I guess I'm glad that it isn't a church anymore because these people wouldn't have been welcome there. Friends, do you see? Those folks stop listening to the voice of the Good Shepherd that calls us to be one flock. And the result was spiritual death. Along the same lines, I have a, a dear friend and colleague who tells me that one of the largest Sunday school classes in her church has divided over a particular social issue. Now, you have to understand, friends, that uh, this is a Sunday school class that had been together for decades. Decades. They, they supported one another through thick and thin, prayed for each other, cared for each other when they were sick, studied together. They had truly shared life with one another. They said they loved one another as brothers and sisters. And then this social issue came up in class. And they could not agree on it. They began to argue and the argument spilled over into one class after another, and finally they just decided, meh, better to dissolve the class and divide into two. So we can all be people who think like us on this issue. They did it. They dissolved the class. And now there are two much smaller ones. Some people went into the two separate classes. But you know what? A lot of other people just walked away because they were disgusted with the whole thing. They had just had it. My friends, do you see the trouble with this? In many ways, the church, well, it's a reflection of our beloved country where there have always been many, many opinions on many, many different issues, where diversity has always been the order of the day. And there are some who say we would be most comfortable if we kept the sheep pen small, thinking then that we will be able to gather only with those who think and believe exactly like us. The question then, of course, is how small can we make the pen? Because, friends, I fear that if we continue on this path at the rate we're going, we won't need magnificent sanctuaries like this one to worship in as the church. We'll be able to worship in a space the size of a phone booth because that's exactly how many people we will find that think just like us and believe just like us on every political and social and religious issue. Do you think that that's what Jesus had in mind when he said that he is the good shepherd and we are called to be one flock? I don't think so. 
Friends, I believe with my whole heart that we can be church together even if we don't agree on everything. We don't have to believe exactly alike on every issue, but we must love alike, like our Good Shepherd. I want to say that again. We don't have to believe exactly alike on every issue, but we are called to love alike, like our Good Shepherd, who calls us by his powerful love to come together as one flock. And let me tell you, I believe that right now, We are at a critical time where the world needs a witness of unity. The world needs it. We are called, friends, as the body of Christ to be that one flock so that we can be the city on the hill, the light that shines, the bearers of the love. The world looks to us as an example, as that witness. And if we can't get our act together as the church, if we can't be church together, if we don't agree on every single thing, then what hope is there for the rest of society? Friends, I I truly believe our responsibility in this matter is weighty and it's sacred. For the sake of our world, for our community, for our brothers and sisters, for our children and our youth who look to us, who are learning from us, and who long to see that there is such a thing as hope and unity in the bond of peace. It's time to make sure we're listening to the voice of one shepherd and that we are one flock. My friends, I think this may be the most important issue, I'll call it an issue. This may be the most important issue facing the church right now. An awful lot is riding on it. So perhaps it is time for us, United Methodists, to put our name to work. Perhaps our denomination has the opportunity to set an example of unity and real love for the rest of the world. You know, our our founder, John Wesley, famously said, if your heart is as my heart, give me your hand. If your heart is as my heart, give me your hand. Church, will you give me your hand? Will you extend a hand across the aisle to your brother or your sister? Can we join hearts and hands to be that one flock? Can we be church together, even if we don't think alike on everything, but we love alike? What do you think? What does the voice of the Good Shepherd call us to do? Will you pray with me? Most loving God, we give you thanks for you are the good shepherd, the one who would lay down his life for the sheep, the one who loves with a unifying love that can pull us together as one flock. Lord, help us be faithful to your call and to listen to your voice above all others. 
understanding that even though we may not think alike on every issue, we can love alike like you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.